Welcome everybody who's logging on and joining us. We'll give it just a minute or two longer for a few more to log on. And uh, it's always fun to see the names and want to tell stories. Uh, my college roommate <laughs> and Methodist pastor, Joe Nader, is on here. So Wonderful. we can tell stories, but then he could just tell stories on me. So it would be funny, but mutual destruction, perhaps. But yes. Welcome, Joe. Glad you're here. Welcome, Jennifer Hawks, joining us. Oh, Jennifer Hawks. Wonderful. Yeah. 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 I mean, she does justice every day. Literally, literally, yeah, she does, literally. <laughs> and helps others to do so, as importantly. Yes. Well, friends, we do welcome you to today's Truett Church Network uh, webinar and podcast. We have many joining us live. We have many more that will be listening uh, on your drive uh, this week or while you mow your yard or wrap Christmas gifts or whatever you're doing this week while listening to podcasts. Uh, this is the second in our conversations of Advent Stories Dr. Jack Bodenhammer joined us last week to discuss hope, and if you haven't yet listened to that on our Truett Church Network YouTube channel or on the Pro Ecclesia podcast, I encourage you to do so as Dr. Bodenhammer uh, discussed the, the hope of a Whataburger Christmas, which was really a powerful story of his life. Um, and we are joined today with Dr. Steve Reed, Professor of Christian Scriptures at Truett. Dr. Reed, you've been at Truett 14 years, 13 years? How long have you been here? Good. Well, well, Matt, thank you for this opportunity. Uh, I was a religion major, and so I'm better with dates than I am with, with uh, <laughs> sort of summaries. I came in the fall of 2008. 2008. All right. So somewhere in there. I'm the same way. I don't add and yeah. subtract real well, but, but you've been here for a piece of time. We can at least say that. Uh, and, indeed, uh, indeed. As they say in the Frost Bank commercials, I'm from here. I'm from here. That's right. Well, we, and, and that get, warms our heart to hear you say that for sure. Um, we're here today to talk about peace. As many of you are preparing to preach and teach on this Advent theme this week, um, as all of us are striving to live into this Advent theme as we prepare for uh, Christmas and work our way through Advent. Um, and uh, I appreciate Dr. Reed joining us today just to share some thoughts and some wisdom on this. And so we're asking the same questions out of each Advent theme for each of our guests. And so, uh, Steve, we'll start with this. What is the biblical witness of peace that the Bible presents to us? That is a great question. And I'm going to begin with a, with a sermon illustration that I think we've all heard before. Uh, it is the, the youth sermon, and uh, the person leading it says, well, I'm really describing an animal with four legs, gray, with a bushy tail, and uh, one of the precocious kids says, well, that sounds like a squirrel, but this is church, so Jesus must be the answer. <laughs> I've used that one myself, yeah. And when we think about peace, it's important for us to think theologically and Christologically about peace. Mm. And with that in mind, I go back to Isaiah. Now, I feel pretty good about this because Handel was shaped by the Advent and Passion text. And when he wrote his Messiah, and now that Messiah once again invites us to think about certain texts. 
And I go back to the book of Isaiah and 7, 9, and 11, three texts. Now, we're not going to go into a lot of detail about all three texts because uh, the listeners are good biblical scholars. They can dig into those. But what they have in common is in 7, we get a miraculous birth of a child that's going to indicate a new era. In nine, we get the discussion of really a new type of king. For to us, a child is born. Once again, a new era. But not only is the new era that the child is born, but it is something about the character of this child. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. So we even have the prince of peace language here. But I'd be, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring us back to the stump of Jesse in chapter 11, which also leads us into a description of what peace would look like. When the suckling child shall play over the whole of the asp and the weaned child shall put a hand on the adder's den. We even have a wonderful painting called The Peaceable Kingdom, which describes this new sort of setting. In each of these texts, you have a child born, and the child born leads into a new age, and the new age is an age of peace. This becomes, I think, essential for this season. So if you had to define it, right, if my, if my nine-year-old daughter is here and she's like, well, that, that's great. What is it? How, how might you wrap that down? Like to what is the peace that is offered by the stump of Jesse, by the child that comes? What, what is that? Well, and, and here I want to go back to, uh, to chapter 11. Yeah. Uh, the cow and the bear shall feed and the young shall lie down together and the lion shall eat straw. Mm. So you get really sort of uh, the question of uh, predator goes away. Hmm. Oftentimes, it, it's interesting. I, I think in the new Marvel film Eternals, it talks about what is the apex predator. Yeah. <laughs> and in the new world of peace, there is no apex predator. And imagine how much that's going to change the economies and the lifestyles. Uh, if, you're, if you're in high school, you know what apex predators are because there's some of those in your high school. <laughs> yeah. And you're likely not to be one of them if you're listening to a podcast like this. Pastors probably know something about apex predators in the church. Indeed. <laughs> and so a time of peace is a time without apex predators. It's a time when... We live together without dysfunctional competition. Yeah. Mm. The, dysfunc the, the competition and the dysfunction that separates, that creates hierarchy, that, that creates competing for mine and what I need, not over, yeah. That, so it's a whole good that's being created. Um, yeah. Steve, I appreciate it. I know you to be, uh, in a very complimentary way, a bit of a nerd. So I appreciate you bringing out a little bit of the Marvel's eternal pop culture references and give us a glimpse into the movie going life of Steve Reed. 
Yes. So, <laughs> um, so peace obviously sounds wonderful. Peace by any understanding. I, I think, of course, as we preach and teach this, we're pointing to a deeper understanding than just a simple lack of conflict or lack of war or something like that. And yet our life is filled with dysfunction. Our life is filled with competition and the, the drive of that and the results of that that are often negative. So what is the challenge of peace that, that this call presents to us? Once again, Matt, that's a great question with two parts I want to look at. First, um, the call of peace happens in a world full of conflict. When we look at Isaiah 7, 9, 11, one of the things they have in common is a location in the Syro-Ephraimite War. And this was a war where the people of Judah were very much concerned about the push of the Assyrian Empire in 734. And Isaiah says, don't be worried about that because God will redeem us. One of the challenges of peace is it really does depend on belief in the sovereignty of God. As I would say, if there is no resurrection of Jesus, then there is not going to be any peace. Yeah. And if you don't believe in resurrection, uh, peace is not really going to serve you well. Yeah. Uh, and so I wanted to pay attention to the challenge of peace is the challenge of belief, belief in God's sovereignty, belief in the resurrection and the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now, you, you're also asking about the challenge. This is particularly uh, important in this age. There are going to be a lot of uh, movies and uh, shows on peace that are going to really come down to let's be nice to one another. Mm. Uh, but when you look at the narrative and the life and death and resurrection of Jesus, uh, that's not nice. <laughs> yeah. But also one of the things, um, if you going back to a popular culture reference, Gene Roddenberry, uh, who crafted Star Trek, uh, described the human race as uh, one that had gotten beyond war and had gotten to peace. And so they had to go out into space to find enough war to have good episodes. <laughs> but part of what he believed in was human progress. But I think the biblical message of peace is that humans will not think themselves there. They will not will themselves there. It is only through the intervention of God mm. and Jesus Christ that we get to peace. And the message of Advent is not the same as the message of the Hallmark Channel or the Lifetime Channel. It is a different sort of model that something's going on distinctively in the life and work of Jesus Christ that makes this a season for us to pay attention to. Oh, and that, I mean, that's what, and that's what we're here to, it's the purpose of Advent, right? This waiting yes. to live in that dissonance of ABC family or free form, what is going to have all of the peaceful Hallmark channel, they're all going to have this um, saccharine version of peace. And we're called, yes, to be nice to one another as a minimum, but it goes so much more deeper and it goes in the face of people being nice to us. And it's something inner work being done and this cosmic work being done. Um, 
I love the Star Trek reference. That that's a great illustration that'll preach. And and this is why, you know, there are some church. My church this week did peace before hope, um, which was interesting. I don't know exactly why we did that, but I've been checking around and there were some other churches I know of that did peace before hope, but they there's no separating those two, and there's no that's separating. Correct from joy and love, which is where we're going in coming weeks, that hope leads to peace and the peace leads to hope. And it's the, the snake eating its own tail a little bit there. Yeah. Um, and this is, this is a great, this is a great Advent season. Yeah. And part of it's a great Advent season because we need Advent so much in this time. Uh, we have, uh, if we look at Afghanistan, if we look at Iraq, in Iran, we look at Russia, we look at countries in Latin America, Africa, and Asia. There are all sorts of countries that are saying, your idea of peaceful democratic rule is not working. Mm. So it's not like we're building a worldwide consensus about niceness. Yeah. And all the more in this time of political turmoil around the world, we need the message of Jesus and as part of what we're doing in Advent. There's a reason that we call this the beginning of the church year. Mm. The church year begins with Jesus and the church year ends with Jesus. Yeah. And so that's, that's part of what's going on in the uh, Isaiah tradition. Well, you know, Isaiah was Jesus's scripture. So what, what was his go-to reference? So it's good enough for us, right? Yeah, that's right. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good <laughs> enough for us. A good policy. Um, give us a story of peace. You know, as we think about this biblical witness and the challenge, what is a story of peace that comes to mind? One of my favorite stories is taken from World War I. Though I, I hear there's a civil war, an American civil war, uh, parallel to this, but it was Christmas Day. Uh, as you, well, none of you will remember, but as you have read, um, in World War I, it was uh, a war of trench warfare. And so they were shooting back and forth between one another. When someone said, it's Christmas Day, we should do something special. So they stopped fighting they went to no man's land, which is an interesting term yeah. during Advent. They went to no man's land and there they exchanged little rations with one another. And the German soldiers and the allied forces were able to uh, sing songs together, uh, read scripture together. And at the end of the day, they then went back and next morning they started to fight again but that christmas was a break from the regular dysfunctional conflict and an experience of the peaceable kingdom if for mm -hmm. only one day and so even though we may not be able to manage or legislate uh, the sort of world that christ would have us live in we can get bits and pieces that give testimony to that. Like that, that uh, day in Christmas in uh, World War I. And even though, man, that's so good. 
and I think uh, the miniseries Band of Brothers um, mm-hmm. in the Battle of Bastogne, I think in that, and that's a book, and obviously I've read about that. Um, I think there was a, a time there where the Germans began singing Silent Night, I think, and the <laughs> Americans joined in across the way in the middle of this awful Battle of the Bulge um, that was going on. Um, and, and that is the, some of the trick of Advent is hope, peace, joy, love are maybe not listed as fruits of the spirit, but they're, they're graces, they're, they're gifts that we receive from God that can't necessarily be cajoled out of God or faked our way into. And yet we are called to be agents of this in the world as we trust the spirit to gift them to us um, of little agents of peace in the midst of eternal and mortal conflict, agents of hope in the you know realms of despair, joy, all of these things. And so there's that, yeah. that balance and, of receiving, but giving as well, which is the Christmas season. Which is the Christmas season. And, and Matt, as you point out, there is a cross-cultural dimension to this. So at the Battle of the Bulge, it is in English, but it is also in German. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can we can see even in Advent a sort of leaning into Pentecost. Yeah. That something's happening with Jesus is going to be beyond our culture mm-hmm. and is going to speak to other cultures as well. And, yeah. and that view of peace is going to be not just our culture rules, but our culture is in conversation with other cultures all around a common Christ and a yeah. common yeah. theology. We did uh, in our church in Marble Falls, a, um, a couple came, brought with the idea, which I, I really wasn't think it was going to be a great idea, but it ended up being fabulous, which is sums up much of my ministry experience of uh, what I didn't think was a great idea. Most of those end up going really well. Um, they did a, a nativity scene festival. And so everybody brought nativity scenes that they have collected through the years. And we just had them from all over the world um, through old ones. I mean, new ones, but from all over the world. And it was fascinating to have them from all different continents and countries and to see, uh, you know, Mary and Joseph and baby Jesus have all sort of different ethnicity, race and background. You know, they, mm-hmm. they looked Chinese and they looked African and they looked Russian and they, they looked uh, Latin American. I mean, they looked Hispanic. They looked all different. Um, and that's just this miracle of Christianity, which no other world religion allows, is we, it can, we can embed it into our culture, into our story, and it retains all of its vitality. There's such a missional component to this piece um, that Christ offers that is just very uh, powerful, I think. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, what would be, oh, go ahead, sorry. Well, I mean, what, what you say sparks something in me. I was thinking that the story of Advent, a story of two travelers, and there's no place at the end. Mm. And, uh, you know, she gives birth in a squalid place. You know, there are women giving birth in squalid places all around the world. Imagine what would happen if we treated each of those women and each of those children as if they might be the Christ. Mm. At that point, you're gonna you're you're seeing a whole different view of peace. Yeah. Because you're making a lot of structural changes. 
Yeah. Boy, that'll preach. Yeah. Uh, well, this has all been encouraging to me. Um, and I hope for those that are listening and watching. But what would a final encouragement be for you, Steve, or from you, for those that are preparing to preach and teach, and for all of us seeking to live this out, uh, this Advent season? Would you have a final word of encouragement for us? Well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, a couple months ago, I noticed that in my own um, morning devotionals, I didn't have a very good prayer uh, of reconciliation. And so I did what every great theologian does. I went on Facebook and said, can y'all help me? And I had uh, a friend send me a common prayer, a liturgy for an ordinary radical. And so now when I, I uh, do my morning devotionals, I, I read this prayer. Now, I'm going to end it a little bit more Christologically than the prayer goes, but All right. <laughs> it says peacemaking does not mean passivity. It is an act of interrupting justice, interrupting injustice without mirroring injustice. Mm. It is the act of disarming evil without destroying the evildoer. Mm. It is an act of finding a third way that is neither fight nor flight. It is a careful, arduous pursuit of reconciliation and justice. It is about a revolution of love that is big enough to set both the oppressed and the oppressor free. And in all these things, we try to follow the image of Jesus Christ. I, I think that's, that's the way I want to center for uh, peace during this season. Amen. Well, Steve, thank you again for your time. Um, I pray uh, Christ's blessings on you and your family during this Advent and Christmas season. Uh, that, that continues as well for all of those um, watching and with us today. Uh, we are praying for you as you prepare to preach and teach this week. We are thankful for you and encouraged by your kingdom ministries and all the ways and all the places you serve. We're grateful for you. Have a blessed week. Thank you again, Steve. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.